Good evening, friends, and welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I am joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? You ready for uh, Ice G-Con? Ah, no. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I guess so. I'm, uh, I, got to, I got to play uh, a game with Sydney that we've been uh, wanting to play. My cleaning house thing comes down to that I end up having a few things that like I can't put away because I don't want to put them away or I won't mm-hmm. do anything with them <laughs> type thing. You know what I mean? So I have to address them. And yeah. one of those are games that I haven't played that primarily that I want to play with Sid. So we, we actually last weekend got to play uh, uh, Unicornus Knights is what it's called. And we had a really good time with that. So uh, it the way I kind of feel about some of this is that I play it, and now it's going to prepare me for the weekend so I can kind of run it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like so I learned two or three new games. and So you're talking about board games. Yeah, sorry, my bad. I should have been more clear. Okay, yeah. so then you're also talking about board games that you don't want to have sitting out for your big epic board game party? Oh, I will, but they're, they're mm. games that I have, like... They're um, not ICG Con games. I'm, I'm just... No, no, no. They they are ICG Con games. They're they're games that I bought like at Gen Con. I think I've got like seven mm. games or something at least that I bought at ICG or at Gen Con that I still haven't played. Right. That that are primarily for Sydney and I. I bought for reasons. Sure. Right. Not not necessarily for ICG Con. They can be played at ICG Con for sure, but I they're not like any on any board game geek top list of must be played right. type things. Right. But they sounded cool and very interesting to me or Sydney. So Sure. You know. Yeah. I mean you have I mean we've done done this topic a couple times on the show about games you play with your family versus you know with more quote-unquote serious gamers or gamers with more uh specific needs that's a weird way to say that no Um, yeah no i I got i got like a a little uh lord of the rings like small dice game it's it's Mm. an example one of the things and i thought about like oh maybe if i learn it's a two-player light game and and it's just with dice and a pad of like the board or whatever it is is a pad of paper with sheets that are oh like the map uh, type thing they call that roll and write yeah type thing so mm-hmm. it's i got one of those type things and i haven't played it but i opened it up last night started reading and i think oh well when dennis comes maybe i can play that that's something in the last 30 minutes right 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 so that's an example of something that i i've got i don't want to put away because i, I won't learn it or i'm i'll forget about it and i want to actually you know take my time to do it so that's what i've I got to do. So it's been last week was getting ready. was been kind of a little fun. Did you get a chance to watch uh, a video I sent you from shut up and sit down uh, about, about teaching games? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, yeah he, he, that was a good little, that was a good video. Yeah. yeah. It started out. It's his, um, I forget which guy it is. It's maybe Quinn. Um, mm-hmm. He does his 10, 10 tips, top, whatever he calls it uh for how to teach board games and it's sort of focused at um veteran game players teaching games to novice game players yeah which i guess sort of makes sense right that's the that's the situation the scenario where people make the most mistakes yeah right where the where the, the novice players get overwhelmed and bored very quickly and say stuff like let's learn as we go or I've I've had this happen to me and I've heard from uh, my brother Andrew that this is a reason that he won't play a couple of games. Uh, I think Seven Wonders is one of these where the person who taught it to him was a serious hardcore strategy gamer and just, you know, demolished him when they played, when he taught it to him. And I'm like, oh, well, that's not a game that's bad. That's just a bad friend. You need better friends, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. For sure. 
Um, but it's really good. I'll I'll link it in the episode description on the website. And uh, yeah, it, that's worth that is worth uh, a nice little review for anyone who likes board games and and tends to you know you want to teach people how to play it because but the most uh, barrier into any modern game today is, is that it's not like sorry where you can just roll and, and right. go right and, well, and draw a card. So, some sometimes it is right. Those are the games yeah. you get get and that's one of his his items right is like a a small game that's gonna take you know 15 to 20 minutes um uh, is going to be easy and is going to get people in the mode in the mindset for playing a game and then you jump to something bigger uh building blocks anyway i don't want to rehash the whole video but it's good watch yeah the the, the the i will say that the one tip that i took from there that i i want to start doing for sure all the time there's there's the whole things a lot and there's great stuff in there but yeah. the one thing that i really uh i think that i want to start doing with all games that i teach um starting with icg con and actually starting with sydney how i started with this one is is uh he said before once you get everything set up and you get everybody going and you're all touching the pieces and they get to like the starting point of explaining the game is like the first thing you do is explain why you will like playing this mm-hmm. game like that yeah. that was such a great little tip and 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 when I was Sydney, I was like, okay, we're doing this thing, but here's what we're going to be doing. We're taking a princess and she's got this thing and we're going to be defending her <laughs> along the way. And then you, that just made sense, right? And I, I thought, oh, with Legendary, I, I explained Legendary a million times and how the card systems work, but I should be like, the villain is going to be entering the city and coming through and we're going to be joining forces by buying up our characters. Like That makes it more fun. Yeah, right? just yeah. a little bit more interesting. I mean, especially for for us, you know, we our circle down in Bloomington are a lot of experienced veteran game players. So every time we learn a new game, it's like it's explained in the context of other games, which is sure that's how everything works. Like right when you talk about movies, you reference other movies. When you talk right. about books, you reference other books. But you know, we come into a game and you're like, oh, this is a deck builder with an auction mechanic and also simultaneous turns. And it's, uh, you know, you, you're whatever, point salad or, you know, they're just a glossary of terms that people right. use all the time. Um, yeah, I always joke, you know, sort of mockingly of the Geek and Sundry learn to play videos where the person teaching uh, will open with this super obvious statement um the goal of the game is to win and you win by getting the most points i'm like is that not every game well no it's not some games are set collection they're old you know card games where having a high score is bad Mm -hmm. Uh, and so just starting with those absolute basics is probably a really solid way to um uh sort of disarm and make people comfortable uh right at the start yeah, and that that is that is a just a general one. I think that everybody does miss miss. And and for more tips, obviously go watch the video. But is is the explaining not explaining the goal first? I mean that that very simple thing that you just said sounds silly, but knowing the goal is real important when you're explaining the rules to me. <laughs> when someone starts talking about all these different things, I'm like, I need to know what my goal is to do all the things you're explaining. What am I trying yeah. to get? You know, am yeah. I trying to do this? And like, oh, as because as they're explaining it, I can start thinking about like, okay, I can do that to get to the goal. And I can do this mm-hmm. to get to the goal. And it keeps you more informed. But if you're just explaining what a deck builder is, you don't explain why they're deck building. Yeah. You know? the, the stuff that was um, more uh, notable or valuable to me, of course, the stuff about winning – um, but 
the idea of um of preparation you know i had that realization probably two or three years ago and said oh if i'm going to introduce a new game to you know a group that's not my friends in bloomington who one of one of whom will uh, inevitably take the initiative to read the rules and we'll sort of sort of figure it out together um if i'm you know if i'm introducing a game to a two group of people i need to know it which of course seems obvious like if you're going to teach a game you need to know a game but um he talks about how it's kind of a performance and so he goes through the like the bullet points and the like have a plan so that what you're explaining is coherent and not just jumping around all over the place or you know reading the rule book verbatim which is you know at least for me when somebody else is reading the rule book aloud to me and i've done it i've read the rule book out to players like that seems like the most uh straightforward way to convey that information but the minute somebody else starts reading a rule book for me I'm, i have like five seconds of attention and i'm like no i'm, I'm <laughs> lost what did what did you what did you say say that again can i just read it can i can i see the book can I... right um, yeah i i need to yeah. i need to do a couple of those preps this week that's why my my week is super tight as it is i mean i mm. i have a pretty i usually have a pretty packed week anyway right. in in general but um i am doing the like leaving work right on time you know as, as i have to because sometimes i'll have work over for whatever reasons mm-hmm. uh, picking up sydney early so that we can go and get home in time to do xyz even things like you know i still have to, a little bit of cleaning to do or whatever uh making the house geeky a little bit, you know, putting right. hanging stuff up and things. Yeah. Uh, but besides that, I, I would love if somehow I could get in a little bit of a learn one of these other games so that I can I can also teach and run. Because, you know, something this year that I want to do with the thing is I want to play more games. I think a lot of times I get into to hosting and um, getting, you know, uh, games going that I don't sit down. Because a lot of times I'll get into a game that I really like and it takes two hours of time. And in that two hours of time, I have this feeling of, you know, there are other people sitting around waiting for games to be ran. Right, right. You know, because yeah, you know, you know how this system is. <laughs> this is this is a ridiculous sort of nerd metaphor. But uh, hosting a party is kind of like being a DM. Sure, yeah. Like, you're doing a bunch of extra work, and yeah, you get some satisfaction out of it, but it's, it's completely different to the people who are just, uh, you know, saying they want to cast magic missile yeah totally and and very much in that line you have the um uh people think that the party is good or bad based on how good the dm is right right the, the dm could be like if i'm just sitting here and bored i just don't think that i should be able to get up and make something happen but if a dm comes around and says hey you want to go put this game give it that person and that person all of a sudden the party's great yeah you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's totally that. That's a very good metaphor. I, I like that. I'm going to steal that. So, um, I know we were talking about this before we started. I know part of the reason that you are behind in all of your things is because you bought a new toy. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, uh, a little bit. I think I might have mentioned it here, um, on, maybe on the show. I've got. Uh, you I, said you were wanting yeah. one. I don't remember whether it was on or off the air because we talked about how uh, the. Uh, 
this coronavirus thing has, has <laughs> caused right. problems with production and shipping yeah, from, yeah. Uh, you know, China, China. where everything's manufactured. Yeah, so, so I, uh, something I haven't talked a lot, I hope about in the show is that I've been uh, going back to school for my master's and something I'm putting a lot of focus in my studies is virtual reality, uh, design, development of all sorts of stuff in there. Um, so this semester I've really kind of even more sunk my teeth into it and had it, and it took a haptics class where you have, which is feeling and touch and stuff. Um, and I decided that I could make a, um, build an application and I had a, cause I had to do a semester long project, um, in virtual reality. Well, you can in do that Oasis. now. Like, yeah, I'm right. Exactly. There's even, it's <laughs> funny. The, one of the best VR like podcast or vodcasts is called the Oasis, which is funny. It's very well. Good. Um, anyway, anyway, the, and it's well done, but, um, shout out to the Oasis. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, anyway, so I, I figure, you know, today in this day and age, it's, you can do that. You can affordably get a thing and buy it. And it's not outrageous and you can take it in and demo it to other people without having to have massive setups and bringing in all your PCs and wires and hookups and, and, mm -hmm. and you don't have to buy a development kit. It's all kind of in one thing. And that's the Oculus quest is what I was looking at. Um, and I, I don't know, how have you felt about VR? Like, let's take a moment, Dennis, and talk about the state <laughs> of VR. Like, so I, I standpoint. had, I had assumed that, was it like this? I read an article by some, some other grumpy old man, um, it was, I forget if it was comparing VR to 3D or 3D to VR, like old 90s style VR. Um, yeah. But as this kind of uh, flash in the pan, right? Like everybody thought mm -hmm. that the TVs were all going 3D. People yeah. bought 3D right. TVs and, and it died out because watching yep. stuff in 3D is a gimmick. Like, yeah, it's not, you know, most stuff is not made that way. And the stuff that is, it's kind of hard on your eyes and mm -hmm. it's a little headache inducing. I think the last thing I watched in that was maybe one of the new Star Trek movies. And even then, at some point, there was so much going on with all the lens flares and stuff that I was like, <laughs> I was watching it without the glasses, even though I'm like, it's blurry, but I don't care. I'm, this is giving me a headache. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And... So for that reason, and I think also I read somebody's thing about how, um, like, video games don't get better the closer they are to reality. Or they do, but only up to a certain point. Yeah. Um, it's, the, it's the rock band or guitar hero thing. Like, yes, you could learn to play a guitar for real. And actually, mm -hmm. there are, quote unquote, games that teach you, that, teach you how to do that. Yeah. Um, but that is a difficult process that takes a lot of practice and a lot of time. Whereas, you know, in a couple hours of practice, you can get to a point where you could play, you know, one of the songs on Rock Band or Guitar Hero and get a little bit of that same euphoric feeling of like imagining you're on stage. And kind of I, I think that's a great example. And I, that's and how the experience is for me. Yeah. And so you go, I don't need to, you know, have to have the the range of motion muscles whatever to pretend like i'm throwing a football to play madden when i could just like push the stick i don't play Madden. push the stick and do this yeah no i know exactly what you um mean. and so th that's sort of the general philosophy of um 
of sort of dismissing the VR thing. Now, of course, that when I read that, that was at least five years ago. No, um, no. I, and the, I still think that The technology keeps getting better. And it's the kind of thing like uh, cloud gaming, which we might talk about in a little bit, um, where, yeah, kind of the first version of almost everything is terrible, right? Like the first yeah. cars were pretty crappy and they were for a while. Yeah. Um, it's just the way that this works. Like it takes a while for the technology to get good. And I mean, think about the first cell phones with the giant bag. Yeah, for the battery and and all of that kind of stuff. Well, I think um, I think the the actual real problem with it has not necessarily it has been technology, but two two things primarily. One is the cost for entry, mm-hmm. uh, and then two is is there's no been no matter how good of a technology that they would put out for VR, no matter what it was, there was nothing to do in it. There was no killer apps. Sure. There was no. They would they would try to do like you're saying. They try to maybe do a a, a football. Where nobody wants to do that. You have to really yeah. It was develop. all a bunch of tech demos. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Very much like tech demos. Um, so and my it wasn't to, worth it to answer your actual question. Um, mm-hmm. Our buddy Trotsky got an Oculus Go and said yep. we should all get it because that's mm-hmm. Trotsky and that's how he he does things. Talks. Right? Um, he was like, you know, I have these couple guys and we're playing Catan and all of us were like Catan oh I remember it? he did play that right, 2006 yeah. what are you talking about playing Catan right. um not that you know Settlers of Catan is a fine game but um yeah. you know he was playing it in VR with the Oculus Go and so he brought his and I think our buddy Chris Borland got one too and I tried it out um and Justin and Marcus and a lot of people got that I guess a couple people got them and, yeah. and bought it and I tried it out the graphics on it were not very good. It felt like, uh, you know, a, a PC game from 10, 15, you know, like yeah, slightly yeah. better than N64, kind of yep. like maybe maybe uh, the first generation PlayStation and Xbox. Yep. Um, I mean, it was $200. Like it was yeah. far, it was like half the price of anything else that wasn't you know, one of those cardboard things you put your phone in. But, but, um, uh, but even at that $200, you were playing the game you're playing is like you said, a game that felt 10 to 15 years old, clunky, not enjoyable. Yeah, I don't even remember what ga- I was just like looking around at stuff and yeah. Th- and that was all And the picture on it. Wasn't even very good. And I was also in a room full of people and getting, cause I looked goofy with the thing. Yeah. So, it, it, it felt, it felt like, like um, overall not- negative experience where I yeah, said, okay, I cool. I don't have to, I can live without this. I, I felt the exact same $200. way. I, I would totally agree. I felt the exact same this way. And I still feel the same way, especially with the, the go. I'm not saying the quest is, I mean, the quest is better. It's, it's the, the next one, right? It's like the, the right. step up. Um, but the, the, the real thing about the quest is the support for it. Uh, and that's the thing that I saw. Uh, Mike also had a quest when he first got it. And it has uh, just so we're all aware. So I can say this online is that, um, the quest, by the way, this show is not sponsored by uh, Facebook or Oculus. In any way. <laughs> um, the, the quest, um, the Oculus quest and the Oculus go are virtual reality headsets, um, that are self-contained. You don't hook them up to anything. There's no wires coming out of the back into a computer or anything. They're simply in the headset and the hand controllers. So that's all there is to them. You buy it, you have it. And all the all the applications okay. you buy through the VR store, um, with the Quest you can actually load things into it. Um, but the uh, 
So it's you don't have to buy a fancy computer, and it costs four hundred dollars for the for the most you know uh, modern VR rig is is you know four hundred dollars. Uh, so it's it's pretty good. I mean, it's compared compared to other VR buy-ins where you'd have to have a high-end PC for the Rift or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, so now you you just buy this thing. And it's VR right in your hand, and it's as easy as just loading it up. You just turn it on. Matter of fact, you don't even turn things on anymore. You just put it on your head, and it turns on. Sure. Um, so this thing, uh, the difference between the Quest and the Go is that the Quest has what's called six degree of freedom. You can actually walk around with the Go. Right. It's just you just just sit there and move your head around, um, and and you can move your joysticks on your hand that's about it but with mm-hmm. the quest you can walk around in a room um and it knows and like walk into stuff well it's got a really neat little thing i won't go too much into what the quest does but for <laughs> that question gets asked a lot this thing called a guardian the very first thing to, when you put it on it says hey you need to set up your guardian and it's a guardian fence is what you would do and it what you do is it shows you you can see outside the helmet like it's got a camera in night vision um, so everything around you is now in night vision. Um, and then you, with your, your controller in your hand, it makes like a pointer, like a laser pointer. Right. And what you do is you laser out a, uh, around the room, you know, like grid out the room circle, big, a big circle. Okay. And then it makes a, you connect it and it makes a fence around you. So, the, so you, it, you make a walled garden. Yeah, exactly. So depending on your play space, it puts that around you. And then anytime you get closer, like the game will be like you're completely immersed in the game. And then as you get close to the Guardian, all of a sudden the Guardian appears. Like the the, the lined wireframe fence appears around you. Like, hey, you're getting close. Back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're like, oh, it's totally fine. You never have that kind of a problem. Uh, another thing, too, is um, how VR seems to be solving the how do I move through if I can only move like six feet? How do I move through a space? Um, mm-hmm. That is done by the, uh, most VR controllers have joysticks on them, like joystick controllers, thumb controllers. And you just kind of like push forward and a, a little uh, cursor will appear on the ground that goes out straight. And then you just let up on the, on the joystick and you teleport there. Uh, so it's, a, oh, it, I see. It's, yeah, yeah. it's pretty simple, you know, just like a, a you're pointing. It's just like a Diablo game where you're pointing and clicking and you move there, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty cool. And it's very, very intuitive. Anyway, so moving along with this quest thing. So I, I, I wanted to develop for school for this quest thing. Um, I was kind of, when our friend Mike Trotsky had gotten this, his quest, I was really, really uh, impressed by it. For the first time, I actually had the feeling of being in a space. VR was still very blocky and chunky. Even the Go just didn't feel to me. Like you said, kind of not clear. Um, right. This this isn't crystal clear, but it's much clearer. And I had the feeling that I could walk around, like being able to walk off the edge of a building made me nervous, right? Mm. So I was impressed by it, but still didn't have anything. Here we are six months, almost a year into the, the quest, and it is got what it needs. It, need, it has content. It has tons and tons of content on it that are high quality, fantastic content. The number one thing is the... Um, the uh, EA, I think it is, put out. Um, okay. Uh, or maybe it's Star Wars. It put out the or Disney put out. It's called Vader's thing, and you are mm. actually the best way you've ever felt of using a lightsaber to play with a lightsaber. This does it. This finally achieves okay. like what it feels like. And then you use your other controller to 
use force powers. Like, and it's it's just got a really compelling story. I you played don't start out with that. I played Beat Saber on Beat our Saber, buddy super cool Aaron's um uh PlayStation VR. So yeah. I I can I could see that lightsaber thing being cool if you have something actually so, in your hand and well, can see it all. It's not like the Wii. Yes, and and here's the, here's the thing that it does that other VR that I said that that we're starting to 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 really break into VR is it's just not like a tech demo of oh now you've got a lightsaber which Beat Saber kind of is but it's got a really nice nice game to it too yeah it's a really but this game this has it. like this is a story there's an actual like you start off as like you're a, a Han Solo type character and you've got a robot and you're just moving through without any of this kind of force stuff and it puts you in a storyline that you're you're going through and you're running through and escaping a prison and then you come across like a lightsaber eventually so and it just like oh i can use this to kind of escape uh, and you're wrapped up into a story so the whole point is that it's an actual game that is fun to play and you're in this star wars world like really not and after like just two or three minutes with this quest, being able to move and not have wires or have anything else, you do just completely lose that you're in a, a normal place. Right. I, I think that I had the same experience you did with, I had friends around me with the, the first time I tried it. And that was, you know, it doesn't <laughs> not, quite have that. Not, not ideal. Well, it's, it's hard because you're like, I mean, I had that same feeling playing Beat Saber. I'm like, I'm doing a thing, but I have this thing on my head. I cannot see what anyone around me is doing, and it makes me very uneasy. Right. Um, well, you're you're coming down this weekend, and I'd, I'd love for you to give it another try, like without people. We can go. To, you're you're, yeah, you're coming I'm, a couple of days early. I'm coming down Thursday, so uh, yeah, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to explore that. Uh, the something that really another talk about killer app is the quest also allows you to uh, now just recently plug it into a USB and wire it to uh, your PC and you can use steam VR games. All the steam VR library is also mm. available. So now that means you're tethered to your computer at that point. Now you're kind of sure. like the old school VR, but you can do all the things. I know uh, when I was shopping for my gaming laptop, I don't think this is true of the one that I bought, but the one that I got first that I returned because it didn't work with my uh, KVM switch uh, did have vr readiness in its processor or video card um yeah i know i've read an article a little while within the past year i think of a guy who does tech work like we do mm -hmm. um i think particularly he was maybe a programmer uh, like i am but mm -hmm. um he found that he was much more productive working with a vr headset like he had oh, a virtual environment with a screen and a I don't know. I guess he, I'm sure he still used a real keyboard, but yeah. however that however that works, but the combination of VR headset and headphones like put him in this isolated space um where he could just work and not be distracted by his actual environment. Which I, I believe was that. Sure, interesting yeah. to me. Uh there's there's two two comments I got to make on that. One one is that what well, a side thing quickly is that Sydney has completely embraced it too. She is just like because you get so once you're allowed to actually go into a room and be not have feeling like, Oh, other people are watching me. Um, mm -hmm. you do really quickly get lost in the environment. So she was, she's able to get into a game and really enjoy it and just not worry about anything else. And she's just playing it. And then when she's done playing it later on, she's like, I want to go play another one. And I right. like woke up, I think it was Saturday morning and she was like, where is she at? And she had gone downstairs, cleared out a big area and was playing beat saber. Which mm. also, and for my two cents, is a uh, exercise thing. Like she's sure. actually doing yeah. exercise, and 
a physical thing and not even realizing it, which is, which is good. Um, but the, the, the lost in the environment type thing, um, not only does it have games, which is actually a really important thing for money. Um, <laughs> right, right. It, it is, is that, uh, I'll tell you what, I bought this thing and even when I buy like a new PlayStation system or whatever, I'm like, okay, I'll buy a new game or two maybe. Right. And then I'll, and then I just slowly, but as soon as I got this thing, I was so amazed by the, the amount of things that I could do and, and with it and how cool they were. Cause the demos are they of course they give you the demos for free on there are mm-hmm. so engaging that I just want to spend money. Like here, yes, <laughs> here's $20 for this app. I want it and I want to play it. And there's enough of those on there that like they've already taken more money from me quickly than what right. a, what a PlayStation would have. I'm really surprised by that. So finally, um, the going back to your immersion thing with that guy in the VR desktop thing, uh, Sydney and I started watching like we watched this week as, because we still have uh, my buddy Mike's uh, at the house. We watched movies in VR together. We're, it sounds really corny that we're in the same room, <laughs> but you can join sure. a, a VR like cinema, um, which okay. is super, super cool. You have your own avatar. Is that a, is that a particular app? It's yeah, it's it's an it's an app in there, which is free. They have, and you can host your own stuff. And, and then run, what like, do you, what service are you hooked into? Like Netflix or something? Yeah. You, Netflix is one thing. That's, that's one thing you can do. Uh, what I, what I did is that you can run a server on your PC. So I've got, it's called a uh, mm-hmm. virtual room or something like that. And then it's, yeah, yeah. it just comes with the quest. It's already installed and then you just run it and you can, and it can, uh, for that one right there, you take the screen to mirror your computer. Uh, so I just, you know, played. oh sure, okay. So it's just like a remote desktop. Thing. Yes, it's like a remote desktop thing. And it even says the button on it when you go to your room. It says like virtual desktop mirror it, and it just mirrors that on on the the screen. And you choose. There's like 24 different environments that you can go in, all from like huge grand cinemas that's in a space station above the Earth, you know, with glass walls everywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. that houses 50 people to a small campfire that can only fit eight people in it, you know, and you can move around the space. You can like throw popcorn at people and, um, you know, you see their avatars and such, and they're looking at you and you're looking at them or the thing, and you can hear them right. in VR. So it's very, very like you're in a space. Sydney and I watched the, the new Netflix show lock and key. And we watched it like on a, a high rise penthouse on a, overlooking New York mm-hmm. city. <laughs> with the, the the huge cinema screen hanging in the air above the, the yeah, building. that's sort of what I imagined. Uh, one of the things I would I would do with the headset. Yeah, but but you but. could also like then go inside and watch it on the big screen TV, right? That's funny, which is very it, it is it's very cool. Um, and with that one too, it also has a, a really neat. That app is free, and you can do all that stuff for free. But they have this movie thing where you can actually go to a movie lobby like it's like a big Kirasotes theater AMC theater type lobby and they have movies playing like you can go into the theaters and they're playing I'm just going to say one like Top Gun or something right Mm. you see it's on there and you walk over there and you pay whatever the fee is to a movie ticket and you go in there and watch it in the theater with other people okay so it's in like a big theater with big movies and such and it's in 3D um or you, and it doesn't have to be just movie movies. There was like I know they had they just broadcast um, SpaceX had a launch today or yesterday I think, mm. um, and you could go in the theater and watch that on the big screen. So okay, is, in three D, which is pretty cool. Um, but of course, you pay the ticket, right? It's like five bucks or something. Um, yeah, 
So anyway, VR is very cool. I am I am eating my hat on it because <laughs> of the applications. You know, sure. the applications are just fun, really engaging, and when I'm not using it as a tech demo for just all my buddies around me, it's actually really fun. And I'm a captain of a Star Trek starship, and it makes me super happy. So, yeah. It's kind of funny. One of the things that I thought of when you were talking about moving around in the space, um, I've been trying to uh, get a little more active in the in the winter. You know, when I lived in mm-hmm. Bloomington, I walked everywhere. But where I am now, it's, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. So, you yeah, walk. There's nowhere to walk go. In the woods. So, um, mom and dad have a treadmill, and I was using that this past week, and our buddy Fox had asking me again about um breath of the wild yeah uh, which yeah. i ha- which i have on the switch and it's it's hard for me to play the switch at home um because if i'm in my room i want to play games on the pc yeah I'm sure like, why would i sit i don't have a good place to sit and i could go in the tv room and sit but then i want to watch a movie or like if i still had my playstation hadn't loaned it to andrew you know play a playstation game yeah, um, yeah. but my Windows laptop is otherwise occupied. I'm using it to scan photos. And so I'm like, what if I just try playing a Switch game? I know it's it can be challenging to work a controller while you're walking. I mean, I'm just walking, so yeah. I'm not doing anything crazy. But uh, And you're just walking straight, I, so it's not like you have to work out for buildings. <laughs> and I'm just walking straight. So I did that. I took the um joy cons off of the switch and put them on the little thing which i have i had i don't think i've ever done before like i've always played it handheld mode i don't hook it into the tv or anything mm-hmm. um but the way i was playing i was like oh there's a little thing on the treadmill where i can put this and um i did not fire up breath of the wild because the cartridge that i still have in the console is um marvel ultimate alliance 3 oh yeah yeah which i played just we just a little found bit. out is exclusive it's exclusive yeah for now mm-hmm. um i'm sure it'll It'll open up at some point. But anyway, I bought that and played a couple hours with our buddy Fox and have only really dabbled in it um, yeah. since then. And I realized that part of the reason that I stopped where I am is because I'm at a boss fight I can't beat. Oh, right. <laughs> and so yeah. I fire it up and I'm like, you know, this team of, I'm like, somebody called Crystal, uh, Captain Marvel, Scarlet Witch, and uh, maybe Gamora, maybe uh, Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Um because they have different like bonuses and their synergies or whatever, if they're the same teams or the yeah, same yeah. series or whatever, um, failed at that boss fight two more times. And then was like, let me just go back. Well, first of all, let me look at my team and make sure I have all my high level characters. Yeah, and yeah. then, cause you level, and then let me just play the chapter over. And the, maybe partly because of the small screen and partly because of the nature of the game, it's just kind of button mashy which okay. is not super different from the way that I play Diablo. Yeah. Uh, so that was fine. Um, but you have this weird like squad thing where you're controlling one character and the AI is controlling the other three. Yeah. Um, but the reason I brought that up is because there was a point in this boss fight where I realized that I was sort of leaning and moving around my body as I was walking, <laughs> sort of in reaction to how I was doing this combat. Right. These, you know, these fights and, and boss fights and stuff in this game. You just got like, kind oh, of immersed into that's what funny. you were seeing, yeah. right? Like, I'm not not paying any kind of attention except to, you know, stay on the belt part of the thing. I, I have a buddy at work who who said he was just telling me because he, he demoed the, the, the quest. And he was talking about how he plays, like, 
Far Cry at home on his computer and he says his wife comes in and he's like hunched down or hanging to the side because he's shooting mm-hmm. up things like people just can get immersed like you're talking about with walking and what is you just kind of get into what you're doing and your whole yeah. body gets into it right you get a uh, you get immersed in your in your environment it reminds me of a movie i can't think of what movie it is it's some like relatively classic like hitchcock era film where um there's a shot through a door into another room like in a hotel suite yeah and there's a character talking, but you don't see her. Like, you just see her knees and legs uh, coming off the end of the bed. So, like, she's just out of line of sight, right, from the door frame. Yep. And when they screened this in theaters, everybody in the theater at that scene at that moment, like, leaned over to the left, like, trying to see through. Which is obviously not how movies work, but it it was just this this like thing where everybody was in the moment in the in the environment of the of the film and you know had this had this physical that whole kind of reaction to it yeah those are those are really cool hey speaking of movie did you get to go uh, see movies this weekend i thought i sniffed somewhere that you were gonna go out and see a (laughs) yeah my kid my my sisters and i went and saw sonic Okay, um, I did see that. One of the, I saw that with with Mike with the girls. One of the two movies in uh, at the Broca, the other being um, what I call live action Han and Chewie from that meme, um, Call of the Wild with Harrison oh, Ford. Yeah, 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 and, sure. and the dog. Right, right. I get it, get it, get it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a meme. It's a picture from that movie, and the captions is something right. like when the when the acid wears off and you realize you're not traveling through space with your <laughs> With your furry pal, just Han and Chewie, yeah. Han and Chewie, yeah, it's the, very the, funny. So, yeah, we so went. You, and saw Sonic. We, You've seen this? I did. I watched it. I watched it with uh, uh, Lola and Sydney. So nine, with some 13, kids. Right? I remember you saying that last week, I and that sort of uh, you sort of un- intentionally, unintentionally set my expectations for this movie because you said uh, the way that she was reacting to different things in in wizard of oz and how if you see a movie with the appropriate audience uh, for it it can it can enhance your own enjoyment and so i said okay head head space expectations <laughs> kids kids movie kids 100 percent. yeah we're gonna see a kids movie um do you want to hit the bell for this sure yeah yeah people it's still up for sure there's a lot going on in this it's a new movie there's spoilers on it so we're gonna be talking about the brand new uh, 2020 uh, Sonic the Hedgehog movie. It's just called no. Sonic, right? I can't remember. Or is it Sonic? I the think Hedgehog? so. Sonic. Yeah, uh, people know, right? What it is. Although I don't, I don't get how he look. He even says in the movie, "I'm a hedgehog." I thought that was obvious. Like I never would have guessed that he's a hedgehog. Th- I mean, that's a joke. Okay, right? good. Right. All right. I didn't know. <laughs> I was like, I don't get that. Right. Okay. Uh, uh so. You went in that with the headspace of kids, so what, that was your expectation. I know you're a lot about expectations. What, how did you come says, out with the title? That? Says Sonic the Hedgehog. I had heard a lot of good things about this movie. Um, yeah, so I went in with with expecting a kids movie, and the trailers. I like to sort of analyze, just like I analyze everything, but mm-hmm. I like to analyze what trailers they put with what movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and the trailers before this all looked like just hot kid movie garbage right like <laughs> right. onward 
uh, Trolls World Tour. Yeah, um, I get it. Yeah, I know where you're going. Uh, so, you know, all of that kind of stuff where I'm like, like these oh, are the kind of movies was... you're watching and this is the kind of movie you want to watch more of. Right. right? Exactly. Exactly. Right. So for, for some of those trailers, I was like, oh, man, you've you've shown us every joke for Gen X or parents um, <laughs> that that is in the entire movie. Right. And, all, <laughs> right. and, and some of the goofy like uh, character getting their head slammed in a car door but they're a cartoon so it's fine kind of right. hilarious kid stuff quote right. unquote hilarious <laughs> um and so that helped set my expectation um i liked ben schwartz in this he, he showed I more surprisingly liked him he showed more character range than i expected i was expecting I kind of, even though i've seen him like he's very good in house of lies very yeah. different from jean ralphio um and so i know that he has he has some range, but I'm like, oh, is this going to be a goof? You know, is he going to be Ryan Reynolds? Is he going to be, you know, playing himself in his normal character? Exactly uh, right. Yeah. Like, because this movie gets a lot of comparison to Detective Pikachu. I mean, it's a similar mm -hmm. sort of, it's video game adaptation. It's kind of for kids. Yeah. Although I think Detective Pikachu has some language in it. So who knows right. with that? But right. it's, you know, a real person, a, a live actor and a cartoon interacting together yeah cartoon doesn't seem like the right word anymore but an animated sidekick uh sort of sort of going along with him um but detective pikachu had had the same problem i think that a lot of i thought i think we both removed that movie is just okay uh but not in a bad or good way just it was, it was good yeah it was fine uh, but but the uh the it had it still suffered from a problem that a lot of these movies come with this is that it feels like they weren't recorded in the same room at the same time, so the actor's just saying his lines and then Yeah. I I don't know I don't know so much about that with uh Detective Pikachu, but my biggest issues with Sonic the Hedgehog were there were several scenes fairly early on where um I could see James Marsden uh and his eye line was not in the right spot. Oh, is that right? Right. Oh, like, that's because they seen... fixed the thing, right? They fixed. The... I mean, maybe, maybe that has something to do with the. And I have a sort of conspiracy about that. If you pay attention to this kind of stuff at all, about what almost a year ago, mm -hmm. that the internet freaking exploded about how terrible the character design for Sonic was. Yeah. You know, in the early trailers, and you know, so they went back. And redid all of it. And I'm like, you know, that gave this movie a lot of attention that I don't think Detective Pikachu got. Sure. Right? And so it's it's a sort of like uh no press is bad press kind of kind of idea. Sure. I don't know if that's the expression. It's right. something like that. Like you got people's attention, now you go back and fix it, and everybody's gonna go see it. Like, even if they weren't gonna go see it, they're like, well, I mean, it looks like they fixed it, so let's go check it out. <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't know about that, but the, yeah, there's a scene with them where Sonic is sitting in the car, and um, and his his eyes aren't looking in the not Sonic's eyes, uh, uh, James Marsden, the character yeah. of Tom James Marsden. Um, it reminded me of if you've ever seen bloopers or behind the scenes footage of them making Marvel movies. Yeah, which is sort of heartbreaking because you see like 
um, that Groot isn't there. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth, like he's swinging a thing, and then he just jumps. He like makes a little like yeah. six inch leap, like a normal human can do. Right. And you're like, wow, that's so much lamer. Or you see <laughs> Elizabeth Olsen moving her hands around without the spell effects, and you're like, wow, this looks so dumb, so lame. Yeah. Um, it's so lame. But um, Th- those actors really have to like put a lot of trust in the movie sure, makers. They sure. really do, right? But you see them in some of those scenes, you can see them uh, doing shots with Thanos and Josh Brolin is there, but he's got a thing on his shoulders that's projecting the, yeah. the like a cardboard stand up head For of the Thanos ab- above his head because, you know, Thanos is like seven or eight feet tall yeah. um, so that the other actors in the scene know where to look. Yeah. Right. So that when they go back. And put Thanos in 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 you know in visual effects, everything looks right. Yeah. Anyway, there was a moment where that wasn't right, and so then from then on, every time he's interacting, that actor is interacting with the Sonic character. I'm like, is that right? Are his hands right? That doesn't. I'm not really buying that kind of thing. It's like <laughs> it's so like funny. when you watch a when you We're watch a fight so scene into it. Yeah. in a movie when. Uh, um, you know, you see them like throw a punch, but it's, you know, they've pulled it so much like in The Godfather where yeah. they're like, they're like shadow boxing and the other person's reacting and you're like, right, well, what's, what's happening here? It's not a real thing. Um, yeah, the, but for the most part, the jokes were that kind of like I described watching the first time watching J.J. Um, Abrams Star Trek movies. Yeah. Where I'm like. This is dumb, but I expected it to be dumb, so I can kind of enjoy it and be like, uh, yeah, of course. Of course he said that. Of course he did that. Of course there's an even smaller robot that's going to come out of it. Exactly. Like, oh, it got it started as a tank, and now it's a little car. And now the little car is an even smaller, like, unicycle thing. And right. then the unicycle thing pops out a tiny little helicopter thing. Like, <laughs> of course it does that. It's hilarious. Right, right. Yeah, and, and that makes it, like, solidly kid friendly like like they right. have not right. seen that gag right and and that that is totally novel and amazing to them and you know so that is the part of like i can watch that and say like of course i know that but they're loving it like ah oh, right. another one another one and like yeah i know that but that's the kids love it um and then the um stuff like he sees the hedgehog he has a shocking moment and then he's over it within like 10 minutes right and then he he totally is on board with not turning it into the government or, or calling somebody for help but like turning against the government to save the day or something right? which like, is classic like since et we've been telling these stories where the the protagonists keep secrets from the authority mm-hmm. because that's that's just the format yeah and there was stuff and you're just like, okay because that that's what that's yeah, what it happens and it's you're and, like and because of, it's a kids movie you just do. don't worry about it. it's okay that's not the point the point is is that they're having a romping fun time in this next scene and then the next scene and then the next i scene. mean there's the sequence i described the bot getting smaller and smaller the smallest version of the bot takes a a laser cutter around the perimeter of his truck his yeah right. product placement nissan tundra or whatever that was All right and i'm like the window is open. Why is the bot not just shooting them? Of course. And I'm of like, course. I'm like, oh, because it's going to be funny when the top comes off of the truck and now they're driving a convertible truck. Yeah. That's funny. That's funny. And that's, that's 
exciting and more fun. They're like, oh, running around. Exactly. Now, exactly. And I that's, how, that's this, how much this whole movie is, is like that. Yeah. No. I watched this like most things uh, that I say I watch. I watched with my two sisters who are here living with me. Um, my older sister, Sarah, is in her 30s, like I am. She's a few years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And my youngest sister is 20. And so we all were like kind of in the same mode of like, oh, yeah, that's that's funny. And like some mm-hmm. of it, it's like it's dumb, but I don't feel bad laughing at it because this is this movie. Yeah. And the, the theater was mostly empty except for, as far as I could tell, one family who sat all the way in the back <laughs> and they had an actual small child. No, so okay. um, like in the bar fight. Yeah. Right. When he goes into yeah. flash. uh freeze time mode i forget yeah. who did that that's first. that's the uh not the flash that's um quicksilver like okay from the the fox movie remember they, he did that uh yeah from the the x-men movie right right yeah. uh i don't know if i i mean i guess i probably would have seen that first i'm trying just trying to remember the first place i saw it i'm sure it was something animated right because we didn't used to have the ability to do this Oh, I think kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like the first one, I, I just know that that was the semi most recent that everybody made a big super deal about a super speed guy stopping. It seemed like stopping time and then doing all the things like this. Yeah, was, I, that that scene I was a thinking, definite X Men thing. Like, oh, he just. Did I the kept exact thinking same thing. of the Flash and like he reads all the Flash comics, so that's a funny joke for the right. parents. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I I thought of one of the few funny moments in Justice League when Flash is going and. Uh, um, Clark, you know, Superman is watching it like his head is moving, mm-hmm. like he's he's moving his head like almost as fast as Flash is moving while everybody else is frozen. I loved that scene, but yes, <laughs> um, which is a which is a funny bit. Yeah. But um, anyway, during that bar scene, the the kid in the back was just cracking up. Like everything Sonic did, I'm like. Oh yeah, now he's gonna pants the guy. Oh, and look, he covered these guys in toilet paper. That's hilarious. <laughs> but the kid in the back was loving it. Yeah, absolutely. Like they loved that whole scene. I know the the kids totally did. I told my sisters, um, like like he the, he he pants that guy or like puts his gives him right. a wedgie or something, right? Like that's that's yeah. a kid thing. Yeah, and I I told my sisters, I said the two people in our family who would love this movie the most are my nephew, who is like seven now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and my oldest brother who's the brother you haven't met he's i think he just turned 30 this year yeah um but he loves that like jim carrey kind of stuff like when jim yeah. carrey is being super jim carrey like the mask and ace ventura truck, like mask ace ventura he loves yeah. um uh dinner for schmucks oh yeah and yeah. um over the top uh, overacting yeah that kind of stuff. I'm like, he would love this Jim Carrey stuff. Like, I, I actually Carrey. thought I would hate Jim Carrey in this, but he was Jim Carrey he was playing fine. himself as yeah. if he were evil Tony Stark. Yes, kind of. Yes, uh, thing, he, he which is worked he like is a he's complete the villain. You jerk, right? Like, he you expect the villain jerk. to be over the top. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And and it's it that he establishes his jerkitude right off the bat, and nothing <laughs> could do it. Which which was fine. I, I actually was really surprised that I was not put off by Jim Carrey. He was pretty great. And he got so the fact that he started at this crazy elevated level and you kind of accepted it. Like at the end, when he became the actual doctor thing that you see in the video game, you're like, you're like, Oh, 
that just sounded like it felt like a natural transition from already crazy to over the top crazy. Right. Right. You know, um, but yeah, this, this was, uh, even though it was a kid's movie and stuff, it wasn't like, and the way I know it kind of sounds harsh, the way we're kind of explaining like, oh, he just does the same kids things and whatever. And it's just for kids. But it was, it's still, it was still like entertaining and, and fun from that kid, uh, good kid level. Like, um, cause there are bad kid movies. Like you were just talking about on some of those trailers. You're like, there are movies that are like, this is not even entertaining. It doesn't have a thing that you can be like, okay. Cause that's fun because it's not even fun when they do it. Right, the yeah, jokes it's or just a bunch of flashing lights, and so let's uh, let's jump out of spoilers and do and do final judgments. Sure. People are calling this the best video game adaptation to film ever. Oh, well, that, that's a, that's a little over hyperbole, but like, can you name something that is better than this as a video game no, origin? I, no, but being put on the spot, no, I I, I can't. Sure, but, sure. But I, I mean, The Witcher. Well, yeah, The Witcher, but you're not going to take your kids to see The Witcher. Well, okay, uh, now best video game adaptation show, for so kids, then yes, but, for sure. Yeah, like put put four I mean, kids in there, then I can see that. I mean, I can't think back. Like, is this better than Warcraft? Oh, yes, for sure, because Warcraft yeah, fell flat with kids and adults and teens and everything. Yeah, it did very well in China. <laughs> of um, course, it did. Right. Um, yeah, uh, I, I can't think of two. Yeah, I think it was better. I think it was probably. I have to watch Detective Pikachu again. I I didn't mind Detective Pikachu. It didn't had a nice little reveal. No, I mean, yeah, I didn't. I didn't either. But yeah, um, any Tomb Raider game. I mean, movie. I, I liked the Tomb Raider movies. Yeah, see, that's what I said. Being best video game movie of all times, that seems very subjective. I think it's. I think it's fair to say that it's the best video game kids thing we've had in a very long time, or kid friendly thing that we can yeah, have. Yeah, I mean, in a very long I mean, time. People have been saying, and I'm pretty sure they said this on Geek Scholars, people have been saying that we've never had a good video game adaptation. Yeah, so disagree. every time one comes out like this, that you're like, well, this is good. So it must be the best one if all the other ones were bad. Yeah. I don't you know whether any of that holds. And if you open it up to TV series, then you have stuff like, like you said, The Witcher, the Netflix series, which is... yeah. Um, well, like, level my camp. little joke was that, like, you know, good job, video game, movie. It's plus one for you. That puts the score at negative 600. Like, so, you know, <laughs> sure, th- yeah. there, there are some, but we're just so deep in the hole of bad ones that it may, when you do get one, it makes people, like, do the hyperbolic thing where they're just like, oh, my God, best thing ever. So Sonic was uh, – my hot take thing was Sonic was fun. Uh, it's definitely a kid movie. There's not a lot of kid movies going around all the time. And parents want to get out of the house for winter. You could do worse. Mm-hmm. I think taking your kids to the to the sure. theater to watch this, you will not feel like you wasted your money. They will enjoy it. You, You'll be fine. Do you think it was better than Incredibles two? About on par. Okay. You think? Like I, I'm trying to think. I, I enjoyed Jack Jack. All the Jack Jack scenes were great. But the rest yeah, of it a was lot of lukewarm. a lot of people really loved the first Incredibles, and that was in the kind of valley for me where I'm sure that I saw it, but mm-hmm. didn't really embrace it. I enjoyed like, it a lot, like some people did, and so for them, two really fell flat. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I think that's. I also thought it was fine, but that's again, I think I was I was not really expecting much. Yeah, right. Okay, so let's go on to our our more serious movie. How's that got <laughs> for this week? Which is uh, the our twenty twenty challenge of Blade Runner. 
Okay, so what year is this? What year is this? We're not talking about the new Blade Runner. It is 2019, Los Angeles. <laughs> it's not 2019. Replicants are a synthetic. No, uh, yeah. they're not called replicants. That's the other thing. Yeah. Um, oh, they are called. No, they're replicants. replicants. Like, yeah, they are. Yeah. What's what am I thinking of from Aliens? Oh, I don't know. Uh, the, the the robot things, people. Yeah. The, right. the androids and aliens are called a weird thing. Yeah, I can't too. remember. Yeah. Um, anyway, this is Ridley Scott's uh, 1982 sci-fi, um, let's call it a cult classic, um, Blade Runner. Yeah, and we, we've kind of talked about this a little bit in a previous previous episode that we yeah, had. Yeah, I went, I went back and was listening to a little bit of our very crappy audio quality. This is... Uh, we're talking about episode seven of the front porch where we mostly talked about Blade Runner 2049 and also this original a little bit, which I had seen. I'd seen some of the most of the beginning or at least heard it. And then saw the end and maybe missed some stuff in the middle, yeah. which is maybe the mm, excuse me, maybe one of the worst ways that you could watch this movie <laughs> Um and you had sat down and watched all of it, which I had forgotten. Yeah, um, I, I watched it, but I, I will admit, before like, when you I watched went to it, it see was I, 2049. My, I did, right, correct. I, and I remember, here's the thing. My experience, the difference between then watching it only like two years ago and now watching it is that then watching it, I was very, had a hard time focusing on what was going on. Like, sure. I, it just, it's, it's not one that you can, it doesn't always hold your attention. Right. It's got mm-hmm. some some slow thing it's, with modern eyes. Right. I'm sure if it was 1980, 80, whatever. I would be like entranced by the, you know, the graphics. Or whatever. So uh, this movie is almost 40 years old, uh, but wow. I'm going to I'm going to hit the bell anyway. Um, I mean, I'm rounding up a little bit. But, yeah. Still. Uh, wow. Right. Yeah. We're going to spoil it. So. Yeah. yeah. So the this one, though, this time watching through. Uh, I was able to pay attention throughout the whole the whole film. Um, okay, which I don't, I don't know. You know how it is sometimes when you watch those. Sometimes you're just awake, alert. You've had enough sleep the next night before, and then you've got time, <laughs> and you're just totally in, to do it. So I felt yeah. that I I feel that today's discussion will be a good, solid. I understand Blade Runner. I experience Blade Runner as people who are huge fans can can experience it, and I can talk about it now. Okay. Yeah. It's it's funny like normally the the characters you and I portray are I'm the, you know, apologist always trying to find the <laughs> the right perspective or the academic sort of to <laughs> yeah. justify everything and you're the you're the everyman Miles <laughs> O'Brien kind of like no, I was bored. This movie's bad. And you know what? Maybe that's what <laughs> maybe that's how I did the first time. Maybe that's what it is. Is that the first time I just I, do you remember what I thought I, about this? Did I did I not like this or? I think so. I only yeah. heard bits of that. And listeners, yeah. if they want to listen to ninety minutes of our poor back in seventy yeah. audio nineteen seventies when we recorded it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's two thousand seventeen. Actually, it's almost three years ago. Two and a half years ago. Hey, the, one of the guys um, was born in two thousand seventeen. That's when we recorded. He was born that year. So, was one of the replicants or sixteen? Something like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Um, oh, right. Because he's he's because they have four years in the yeah, original movie. Four years. Right. Um, I. So this is going to be confused in my head because I sat down the night before last and watched all of the original 
start to finish. I watched the final cut edition. That's the one I watched. It's on Netflix. That's on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. It includes the unicorn dream sequence. And Mm -hmm. then last night I sat and tried to watch 2049. Now, 2049 from the beginning, like from the opening of the movie, I feel is more engaging. And maybe we'll get into Mm -hmm. the comparisons between the two more in a little bit. But um, I made the mistake of putting it on my computer. And so I kept trying to like do other things while I was watching it because it's more. And it's like, yes, the the new one is has a lot of, you know, um, does a lot of things not necessarily better, but in a more um, appropriate way for a modern audience. Yeah, I would um, agree. It is still very much a visual spectacle. Yeah. And if you're just listening to it, you're missing so much. Like, yeah. you're missing more than half of what the movie is. In in both cases, but even more so in the original. So I, I you know, I watched Blade Runner all the way through. Um, I had moments where I was looking up actors on my phone and stuff like that. And I'm like, what <laughs> happened? Like, I think at one point I had to rewind because I'm like, I missed something that's happening here. Um, and yeah, so my, so my take on it is probably going to be more negative than my, than my take on things usually is. Yeah. Oh, that's, um, that's, that's good. Okay. My, mine, uh, mine so, is, Mine is maybe I feel and I I do want to go back and listen to tear out my old show. It's weird because we sure. don't we don't often talk about things twice, but this is a two year different lapse in this kind of a thing. But yeah, it's because because of this poster thing. I mean, yeah. I think when we started the poster, I had probably intended to swap something out, but I think that I knew I had not watched Blade Runner start to finish, and I'm like, I I should do that, and then maybe I'll watch yeah twenty forty. Well, this this and I think I think. I have a feeling that I probably came down hard on this the first time. And I think that this time I may come a little bit better. I, I still will jump to the end, which I'll repeat when we get out of the spoiler section is that I don't think this belongs in my top 100 movies. Sure. But, but um, I also has since then, since the first time I kind of watched it all the way through a couple years ago, read why? Cause I'll often get really wondering why things are popular. Like what I don't, if I don't sure. get it, why do other people think it's so good and try to see right. that? And this one I did too. And, and okay, I can, get, so we're, since we're in the spoiler section, the idea that is he a replicant type thing? That, yeah. This is a thing we talked about a lot. Uh, last time we talked, when we talked about 2049 is this idea of what makes a story how important to a story is the ending? I think very important, but mm-hmm. is a cl- so like you have the one question of like, does a story need a happy ending? Before you even get to that question, you have the bigger question of does a story need any kind of ending? And I think the answer is subjective. It depends on the story. But right. some of the things, some of the movies and stories that are the most what's the word I'm looking for? Like have the most longevity that, that last are sometimes things with ambiguous endings. Um, and it, and it depends on how it's done. Like, you You mean like space baby? I was just going to say 2001 (laughs) where the, the whole last half hour of the movie is like, it's just completely, left open to interpretation <laughs> all the way down to wait i can't talk about that you haven't seen it um <laughs> uh well 
what other Christopher Nolan like? We watched The Prestige. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that there were any, there were any open ending. What's a movie you've seen recently that had an unclear ending? Man, though, I don't know. Those usually drive me batty and I hate them. So I avoid them like sure. a plague. <laughs> or like, um, like Memento is like this. The, the ending is not unclear. Like you have. Fight Club kind of was like that. Fight Club was like that where they've answered most of the questions but there is still an important question that's never dan- never answered and sometimes that's done to set up sequels sometimes it's done as a as a part of the of the creative work yeah. right like it's not it's not just you hear this thing and you get to the end and here's the lesson the lesson is you need a balance of good and evil to for the world to go round sometimes it's here's a question and you don't know the answer is up to you. Man, to we have definitely had this conversation before. Matter of fact, I think I mean, of course. it was with this topic that we had. Because I remember well, my, my friend Libby the, would, had the real thing she would put to me like, does it have to have an ending? And my answer was a solid yes, because <laughs> it seems lazy. I can definitely make up my own thoughts about what an ending could be better or not. But by someone saying like, I don't, I don't know the ending to loss. So I'm just going to say like, nothing. You figure it out. It feels so lazy to me. Like it just well, sure, so and it depends. I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when I talked about how I met your mother. Um, you know, having the end planned from the beginning. Like, if you, if you, if it feels like they didn't know, right? And so they're like, "Well, yeah." It turns out, who knows? It's up to you. the 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 real magic was inside you all along. Or something, <laughs> you know? uh, I don't even know what I'm talking about, there, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So the the interesting thing about that question. So I think that is probably that question is a big part of why this movie is. And whenever I say this movie, I'm going to try to mostly be referring to the original Blade Runner. Yeah. Um, I think that's a big part of what keeps it going because why, why it was a cult and classic. And, and they and they look at this scene and this scene and they're like, yeah, but then he does this. And does that mean that he did the thing and, you know, whatever? Like it. It drives conversation, which is probably a, a very common component of something being a cult classic. Right? Okay, like so let's let's classic. put this that in means... let's put this in perspective a little bit, though. Here, okay, okay. So the the thought is that you know the thing that made this so interesting and compelling. So the story, I guess we we don't really often do this, but the story. I don't think Blade I don't Runner. Think that's the only thing, but go ahead. Right, the, the story main primary story of Blade Runner is that the, the, in the future, artificial life, much like the world of Picard, uh, is outlawed and on Earth. And you can't you can't uh, have a robot people. And they've come so close to real life, just like Picard, um, right. that you can indistinguishable between people. And four of them have come, four of these robots who are commando type people have made it back to Earth and they're killing people and we don't know why. Um, so there is a police officer called uh, police officers called Blade Runners, and their job is to hunt these replicants down. In the process, you go meet the creator of company with the creator guy, um, and then uh, Deckard is the main police officer, Blade Runner, uh, played by Harrison Ford, who goes and uh, systematically hunts down all of these four guy people, not guys, but people, and kills them all at the end. And then he runs away with one of the replicant. Uh, the newer ones, there's like a new model that's made uh, a girl and he falls in love with her 
in a very uncomfortable scene, I might say. And um, <laughs> then they run off together at the end. That's the story of Blade Runner. That's actually what it is. Now, when I said perspective here, is that when it was released originally, there was no unicorn dream. And by that, who people who haven't watched it is this far with us. The, the, the police officer Blade Runner has a dream at some point, just oddly out of nowhere. And he has a unicorn in his dream. And, and it's just like they're, why are they showing us this? That part was not in the original movie. So there was no unicorn to, to, to reference back. And at the end, there is a police, another police officer guy who makes little origami things. And he, at the very end, he, he leaves an origami unicorn on the right. stairwells that the guy sees. So the big question is, how could this guy possibly know what this guy is dreaming unless those dreams are implanted memories because the police officer... There's all these questions, and it's... Thing. But that wasn't over- in the original st- series. That wasn't in the... None of that was the, in that. The origami isn't in there either. The, I don't know well, if the, the origami is, but the, the unicorn isn't. So if there's no connection, how can this be a cult classic based on that question of is he or isn't he if that well, was never a thing? Yeah, and I don't, like I said, I watched the final cut, but there mm-hmm. is another scene when he's talking to, is it Rachel? He's talking to somebody and they ask him, have you ever tried to run this test on yourself, this Voight-Comp test? Right, but uh, he just dismisses on it yourself. On. He dismisses it, but that's for the audience to go, hmm. Well, that, that's that's right? something I thought after watching this time is like, you know what? I, I understood that the unicorn dream scene wasn't in the original cut that I, I'm watching the one with the dream in it. But I but I, I'm trying to look back and see why this was so big and why that why this thing. And, he, and also, I know what to look for. Like, I'm looking to see if he's a replicant. Right. My thought sure. was that, no, I think Ridley Scott definitely meant for that to be a thing. He, he said so his own self. Maybe that's because it became a thing. But he is sure. a replicant. And- Ridley Scott has do that. confirmed yeah. that. But well, yeah, if you watch the second movie, it's it's it, it is a there. thing. But like he did not do a good enough job of letting the user see that. Now, Ridley Scott comes in and calls people morons for not seeing it. I think it was so sure. incredibly very small, minute hints at it that like it tiny possibility that it didn't it it was is such a small non-part of the story and and these big blade runner fans make it to be well, the can, central part of the story yeah i mean you can tell because when ridley scott came back in 2017 and made the final cut was it 17 sure seven whatever when he made the final cut he he edited back in this unicorn stuff so clearly after 20 years or whatever he said, "Oh, people aren't getting this. People aren't getting this, uh, right? It, maybe it, you know. I've decided now after this much time, that, which is, you know, just an interesting thing about you. Like you hold creators up in your mind as like, oh, they're thing. But even Tolkien went back and retconned The Hobbit yeah. when he was writing Lord of the Rings. Like, yeah. that just happens sometimes. Like, yeah. you have a different idea, and you're like, oh man, I wish I would have said that. Well, what if I just go back and change this chapter up a little bit? Now everything is." set up foreshadowed for the next thing yeah and and you know um, what movies are made and put out there once they they put the director is done with it it gets put out into theaters especially back then right. and that's it they don't get to rechange it and patch it and call it right. a new unless, name unless yeah. they unless they redo or you know do special editions or which even back then they didn't do those things 
right? Right. Yeah. Right. So, so th- this was, you know, what, and he could have been like, I think I put enough hints and foreshadowing in there and he really didn't. And then it's right. like, well, it's too late. It's not like you can go back and say like, I should have put more in now. You well, get to, but. I, so to, to move off of the, the mystery, mystery box question. Yeah. I, I do think part of the appeal is that, I mean, this is a 1982, so it's not super old. It's not yeah. old compared to 2001, but I think, and you know, I don't know. I watched a remastered edition or whatever and streaming on not very good internet. So there's questions of, of video quality there, but aside from the things that very clearly date this yeah. as, as a product of the eighties, um, the special effects are all believable. Yeah. I thought they were. Yeah. It I feels think, like a I mean, good world ish thing. Sure. It's, it's not very ambitious in terms of what it's doing. Like there's big cityscapes, but you know that that could all be models. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's dystopian. It's yeah. dark. It's smoky. It's foggy. It's um, there's some elements of film noir or what they call neo noir, which I think is just like noir in the future instead of in the past. Yeah. So probably heavily tied to dystopian and, yeah elements of cyberpunk yeah there's all these all these genre things going on there but hey, can i say you know, when it very first opened and they show la and the very first scene it's on fire it's a, well they have like the the factories are shooting out flames out of the top of them mm-hmm. i can, all i could think was like if this is california they're gonna be like are you do you know how much energy we're wasting by shooting fire out the top of our buildings when we should <laughs> when we should be capturing that energy and yeah like the future. See, I saw been. that cityscape and I was like, oh, that's what California looks like now. Oh. It's just crappy, <laughs> nice. horrible, it's on fire kind of thing. <laughs> nice. you know? Well, they, uh, oh, yeah, because of the fire. So, nice. so I think that's part of it. Like we talk about Lord of the Rings being a big, um, you know, turning point in the quality of, um, uh, you know, high production films or mm-hmm. Star Wars, the same way, just a couple years before this. So, like, Star Wars happens and then, you know, just five years later or something, this happens. And yeah, you see like now it's on earth. There are no spaceships, but there are flying cars. Everybody's driving around in those um, Tesla Cybertruck things. And, um, and it's true with, (laughs) with the, with the one exception and it doesn't actually seem that ridiculous now that we have uh, virtual assistants, uh, the virtual assistant is something else, a digital assistant, like Echo and, yep, and yep. Google Home kind of stuff. Um, with his uh, his examining the photograph, yeah, yeah, and it's like talking. To it's people. like a weird, it's a weird hollow photo because yeah. as he moves it, like he can see the woman um, uh, hidden behind tattoo. the pillar. Yeah, and I said, I don't think anybody answered me in the chat, but I was like, was this the first time somebody ever did zoom and enhance? Zoom and he did he did zoom because and enhance that's a, sector whatever whatever yeah 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 you know. Enhanced, enlarge sec yeah. 41 to 73 and yeah. then it would like do, 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 and then, you know yeah. it's, it's you know verbal controls but everything's still still um yeah crts because of course they didn't know in 82 that everything was going to move to yeah. and he still prints LCD out polaroids he's still yeah he still prints out hard copies of stuff yeah um i mean that just that just happens That's right? just like with star thing, trek yeah. or or whatever yeah um but of course that uh um thing of like getting all the clues from a picture through some process with the computer is a thing that they use on the um on procedural detective shows right Mm -hmm. csi and and those where 
anybody who knows even a little bit of how technology works, it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Why is the guy only typing? <laughs> right. He's like, he's like, oh, let me just open up. The and you're like, what? Why? He has a mouse. Why isn't he using the mouse? You use the mouse for so much. Yeah, right. But it, it's not as cool as just slapping your hands on using the keyboard. Using the keyboard shortcuts, clearly. Right, right. Right, right. Yeah. Um, well, so th this this did have a, a neat – it still held up pretty good. I think I agree with that. It, that's not, yeah. I mean, held up from that standpoint, that it still got a lot of stuff. And I wasn't I wasn't really annoyed that this, like, future, which is actually today because it takes place in you know, 2019. Last year. Last yeah. year. Is, is that it doesn't feel like oh my god this is still 80s tech you know what i mean it was pretty it was pretty good in vision of an 80s thinking of the future you know like if you watch um back to the future 2 like that future mm. looks like okay that's just corny <laughs> this looked like and that's, oh, okay you know yeah right. and that's that doesn't come out until 2 years after that after this oh, right right 1985 yeah. and so so yeah i can imagine going back and if you're I don't know. I'm pretty sure that we've talked about this on the show before, but if you're not talking about Star Trek, which is, you know, inherently like optimistic mm -hmm. uh, utopia, utopian future. Yeah. Or or comedies like Back to the Future. Um, Sci-fi has always been this like Black Mirror kind of uh, dark. Is it black? Well, that's why that's why like, it was grouped like, with horror for so long. Dark, often dystopian, you know, usually big questions about existence. And you see some of this in Star Trek Next Generation with Data, right? Mm -hmm. Like Data is an android. He's not a he's not a man, but he wants to be and he's curious and there are sometimes whole episodes where he's, you know, trying to figure out like how does humor work? And so he's talking to people and they can't explain it to him because it's right. it's something emotional. It's something that can't be quantified. Um, and these are the kind of questions um, that sci-fi has generally always been about all the way back to, well, of course, this movie is based on um, do androids dream of electric sheep, right, yeah. by, uh, by Philip K. Dick. Right. And so you get just little easter eggs of that i'm like oh they're they're asking him about does he dream and what does he dream about i'm like that's a thing if people understand what they're watching that you know do, are there electric sheep in his dream or does he dream yeah. the same dreams that a that a man dreams you know kind of right kind of question and it's and it's the kind of thing that it has no clear answer right like if you gave it a clear answer, now it's something boring. Yeah, it, just it like, makes you want to just think, like the thing with, makes you want to think with, about it. Yeah, yeah, like with Data trying to be funny, and he, you know, so he watches, he basically watches stand up comedy and then tries to recite it. Yeah, and of course it's not funny anymore yeah. because it's somebody else's joke. Right. And so you get to the end and you're like, there's there's no resolution. You know, he's he's talking to Guinan that whole episode, and she says, uh, you know, being funny is not the only part of being human yeah and he says well it's it is something that is uniquely human yeah um which is you know that's that's not an answer like that's not right because we certainly know vulcans and klingons are definitely yeah. not humorous <laughs> <laughs> right right but it's it's just that thing of like yeah there's no answer like you get to the end and you're like huh i wonder 
I wonder how I would just try to describe. So it's like it's something subconscious in your yeah that you, you have to try to think about it. Mind and and you're right. I think sci-fi what was a lot of that. You know, you didn't have a lot. Of, first off, you didn't have the choices that we have today. Like there's a billion movies made every right. year now with every genre and every kind. And if you're not getting it on the movie theater, you're getting it on the small screen. It's still movie theater quality production values. So you're getting a lot of options today that was a hundred times more than you had back then. So if you got a sci-fi movie every five years, you were lucky. So that was, that often did feel like a heyday of star Wars, star Trek and blade runner, you know, that you have these, uh, I mean, there's alien was out, you know, so, uh, you, you got to watch these and they're for Terminator and they're for different kinds of people. What you like, you know, if star Wars is not necessarily a blade runner because, you know, it's a, it's an adventure story and and more hopeful and optimistic. Whereas blade runner does fit more with the alien and the Terminator type thing where you've got dystopian futures and everything's bad and sad and dirty and grimy and, you know, so I, I, I tell you what I will say, and I'm not sure moving into final thoughts here. Um, yeah, I'm good with that. That, that um, I feel that I get it. I get why putting myself in when this movie came out in 81 or whatever it was, um, that why it was so popular with people who liked sci-fi, like people for the genre fans could watch star Wars and star Trek and be like, okay, that's, you know, kind of so not realistic type things. They want something more <laughs> grounded and they could really appreciate this and have some deep thoughts. Cause even without the, the, is he or is he not a, a replicant? There's still the thoughts of like, they, they do grapple with these guys have four year lifespans. They're robots created by humans and they, they are really heavy on that. So even without the replicant thing, this did speak a lot to people at the time about really big topics that you know were, well yeah were about life about exist like uh, i think the the short po- version of what i was trying to say earlier is that it's usually supposed to be thought-provoking yeah and a lot of a lot of star trek is thought-provoking it also it often uh you know over the years has hurt its own goals by being too silly yeah um you know especially when you go back and try to watch it later but you know you get to the end of an episode and you're like Oh man, what would it be like to go back, you know, to the thirties and, you know, have to, to fall in love with this woman, but you have to let her die because she was supposed to die and you mess up the timeline. Like yeah. it's, it's fictional science, right? It's science fiction, but it's, it's supposed to like, again, just be thought provoking right. in, in some way. And this, this definitely did that. Let me ask the question that I was sort of asking myself when I got to the end of this movie, if if you had only, and this is, you know, again, me, the way that I think about lists and slots and, yeah. and things like that, but if you wanted to have something like this on your, on your list, um, would you tell somebody now who's never seen Blade Runner anything, would you tell them to go back and watch the original 1982 movie or could they get most of the same things in a more relatable uh presentation form um from 2049 i I think think 2049 for sure or or even a lot of other shows that have done that same kind of (laughs) storyline with ai stuff and better and, and better it 
it was great. I'm not, this isn't a knock on the original Blade Runner. I give it huge props for what it was at the time. But I think that it, if you're doing what you asked me and someone said, which one should I watch? If we're doing a category, there, there's a lot of better ones that you can watch out that have been improved. This was cinematically, if you want to talk about cinematic history, I give mm-hmm. it its place in history. But I don't Definitely. know if it belongs on a hundred gotta watch before you die list because there's other ones that will fill all those things better now that we have are lucky to have available to us. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you mentioned Picard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a story like this. There's also um, the rebooted Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, has Battlestar some yeah. some parts of which are not some parts of which are not great. But of course, the theme of the show from the beginning, at least the premise, before you get into all of their, uh, you know, political sort of commentary or, or um, yeah, social commentary, um, is this idea of you know, like we say, changelings or or Cree, where you don't know not Cree, the other ones, scrolls. Yeah, where you don't know, you can't tell the the friend from foe kind of thing, right? Like they're hiding, but then also in the whole, um, as the as the show goes on, and this is I don't think too much of a spoiler, but the idea of can the synthetic people but they're Cylons in that case, can they reproduce, right? Mm-hmm. Like what, that's the big question, right? Like what defines life? Is it just sentience? Because they usually get sentient computers, right? Like um, mm-hmm. in 2001, is is that enough? Or like in Blade Runner, is the will to live a thing? They also do that in uh, Superman 3. Yeah, um, sure. I mean, I then you're already then pointing out it, things that are doing the same kind of thing, right? Like, yeah, it's a kind of it's a different. I mean, I just started started up again a a UK series called Humans, um, which is uh, the, this kind of thing, except it's told in a weird sort of format. I don't know what you would call it. Maybe it's almost like urban fantasy, but it's sci-fi, so it's like contemporary sci-fi kind of thing. It's an alternate present where they have uh, humanoid androids yeah and a couple of them become self-aware i had seen the first season of it um and it's now in the second season well there are three seasons and it's done so i'm i just started the second season but it's a similar it's a similar kind of story i don't know about like all the elements involved like this kind of um film noir like one man going on a mission to find the truth it's kind of like what the one character does in season one of um the expanse oh yeah yeah i know talking about right that that to me feels like a well i i think of it as cyberpunk only because if you ask me cyberpunk i first think of blade runner and the same kind of deal or um uh bruce willis's character in fifth element same kind of deal Mm -hmm. you've got one guy and he's trying to find the truth yeah um you know, in his, yeah, I, I, I think if, if, thing, if, so. you know, t- these days I can, while I, I said to, to wrap this up on there, I, while I give Blade Runner props for, for being one of the most prominent ones in cinema to do this today, I recommend things like AI, which actually that show artificial intelligence, AI, um, which mm. that one was the first one that really made me struggle with the thought of it. Uh, uh, even things like Alita battle angel, um, mm-hmm. uh, ex machina. That was one Chappie. You know, th- these are okay. these are things that have the same 
kind of a lot of a lot of those I haven't seen. Um, I saw a movie heck, called heck, Simone. Simone, I yeah. Think, heck, even The Matrix um, wrestles with what is a sentient thing. You know? Yeah, like what 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 is life, right? Yes. What is existence as it as it, as it pertains uh, to to machines or artificially made things? So there yeah. are again. While Blade Runner was great, I would recommend a lot of these. And you even mentioned Battlestar Galactica is one that I would heavily say, hey, if you you got time for a show, watch this one. And this will do a better job of, <laughs> of skin jobs, as they call them in the, in the show, um, mm-hmm. that, that you could, could watch nowadays that would be better. It told better, given more nuance, got better even representation of the future, dystopian stuff. It's, there's better things out there right now. Uh, it's good for do what Do you think was, you yeah. would – so t- just to – clarify my original question do you think that somebody well this sort of answers itself but could somebody start with 2049 and get it uh it's i i kind of i know you've just watched 2049 but it's been two years i i think i want to go back and watch 2049 to answer that because i I don't remember how much uh relies on the past of it but i remember 2049 being fine as a self-contained kind of show and i appreciated a lot what it was doing because i it did it's it tackled a lot of that too right ai yeah it has a similar sort of thing that they're doing in star trek picard where when there are elements of the story that are dependent on things that happened in the past in the original they are eventually explained enough to the audience so that you don't have to have seen yeah yeah so so i I don't think that you're gonna get more out of it if you do but yeah you don't have to yeah so so even even 2049 or whatever it was yeah would would replace this one exceed it's that one in in that genre so yeah yeah I, so my final thought there i would not put this on my top 100 if you haven't seen it you can pass it and watch a lot of other shows and probably have mm-hmm. a, a better time i didn't have a terrible time but i didn't see anything new you know what i mean sure not nothing new on this Okay, so what what do we have for for next week? What's our we, this is a tough one because we've uh, got some big games happening next week and yeah, it's ICG Con. So we're gonna pick something you and I have seen several times mm-hmm. before already. It is Snatch. That's um, it, not Edgar Wright. It's a Guy Ritchie, um, movie, right? Guy Ritchie. Yeah. yeah. Th- this this is one of I, I spoilers ahead. My top uh, already one of my top <laughs> fifty, not twenty five movies. Wow, so. Man. I don't know how we're going to talk about this movie and and keep the keep the podcast episode clean. All the best lines have no, all the lines are filthy. I, I guess I guess not all, not necessarily all of them. Right. Like, but it it is what? it is a movie run was, by a great story and great dialogue. And if you can watch it before, if you've not seen it, and if you could watch it before we talk about it next week, you should. Um, it was two minutes five minutes ago. Exactly. So much <laughs> about that, and it is such a good movie. You owe it to yourself. I know I'm spoiling my heart pre-press next week. You want yourself to watch it this week and then listen to next week. And then you can you can either cheer along with us or uh, complain that we're missing some parts next week. Uh, mm. that, that'll be a good thing. Yeah. Cool, man. Cool. Well, all right. So I'm, I'm gearing up for the for the weekend. I'm, I'm ready to go and, and I'm looking forward I'm to bring. I, you I have there? I have two new bags. I've talked about my my game yeah, bag. And I just no. got a very nice uh, laptop backpack with a bunch of pouches and stuff. Yeah, in it, so and it's I'm going to bring my my anxiety level is is high beforehand, but this last as as this week gets here, it turns from anxiety to excitement. As mm. as my preparations are completing themselves, now it just becomes a, I can't wait to play. I can't wait to see people. Can't come to you know come down like you're going to come down and we'll play games and we'll do some stuff and we'll talk about. 
new, new things. We're going to talk about the quest, talk about the show, talk about with some of our fans watching the show. So it'll be yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring Arkham Horror, and we're gonna oh yeah, we're gonna find time to play it, even if it's before stuff starts. We'll, I don't know. We'll definitely have to. We'll have to have to play it. Basically, two player game. We'll see if anybody brings a copy, and we can. I can say I'm looking I'll, forward to playing to, to playing that game. I'm looking forward to playing. Um, the this unicorn knights that I learned. I'm looking forward to playing. Mm. Uh, Bill is bringing down uh, Imperial, not Imperial Assault, but it's the the miniatures Star Wars miniatures game uh, that he's that's that's out right now. We're big by fans. Okay, play. so he's going to bring that and he's going to show me that. I'm I'm looking forward to that and hopefully a couple new really fun exciting games that I have not heard about um, and have a chance to to play and have some other people teach me. I'm really looking forward to I'm not playing a lot of the old games, which nothing wrong with like legendary and stuff, but I'm I'm looking forward to playing some some new games this year I'm excited about trying that yeah i'm gonna try and try and be a little more prepared and and have a couple games that i can uh be able to to teach and and get people get people in i'll probably bring point salad and some other point salad that's a great one too. i forgot about that see these, some of these are just there's so many really great games that 30 minute games or whatnot and that so many people mm-hmm. can get into and are real fun and, and exciting so that that's what i'm going to be looking forward to and i and i know that my library, I tend to be one of those people that have the longer games because I enjoyed them so much. But I have my sure. library has built up a lot more of those kind of games too, uh, the thirty minute, forty minute games type things that are fun. And it's fast. just easier; they get more play. They, they do, and and you know it's ICG Con, so we'll play some longer ones too, which I'm also looking forward to. But I'm just really excited to learn some new things. And we've been doing the AEG Big Game Night. That's kind of helped me with this whole mm-hmm. idea of playing just new random things I'd never heard of with weird boxes and like, oh, that's pretty fun, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So that this will, you know, be that year. So cool. Well, we'll see yep, you. We'll see you coming up, Dennis, on a Thursday, I believe. So looking forward to. Yeah, it. we'll have we'll have some some updates and and some stories from that. So yeah, stay tuned. All right, for next week uh, again, it's the movie Snatch. And until then, you've been listening to the Front Porch. This is episode one hundred and thirty-two. Thanks as always to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. Check out our other podcast. It is called Klingons and Dragons. That's at KlingonsDragons.com. It is a Star Trek Adventures role-playing podcast. Not safe for work. New episode came out last week when this Mm -hmm. airs. If you have comments or feedback, tell us which uh, Robots Coming to Life movie is your favorite. You can reach out to us via email at frontporchpod at gmail.com or on our website, frontporchpodcast.com, using contact forms and whatnot over there. If you enjoy the show, you could subscribe on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks as always for joining us. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.